Welcome everybody to episode 13 of Dane Interviews. I've got a good one for you today. Today we are joined by a Walt Disney World Entertainment cast member. He is best known for playing Marlin in Finding Nemo the Musical. He is currently Gil in Finding Nemo the Musical, The Big Blue, and Beyond. He was also Snig in Hyperspace Hoopla, also known for that. Plus, he has been doing improv comedy at the Comedy Warehouse and Adventures Club. He was also in Hoop Dee Doo Review for a little bit. And we get into all of this, of course, into the interview. And I hope you all do enjoy this interview. Before we get into the interview, I wanted to give a plug to my Public store on there. The Dane Interview shirt. The logo shirt. I really just like haven't promoted it ever since it came out, even though I made it a while ago. So I figured this episode would be good to do it. Um, yeah, it says Dane interviews. It has a it has my you know microphone logo on it. So if you want to support the show, so show support for Dane interviews and Big Beautiful Disney. Just head over there. Link will be in the description. Anyway, let's get into this interview with Robbie Pygon. How are you doing, Robbie? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. It's It's been a while. I've been trying to track you down for a while. Um, ever since I had the idea of, I remembered what Hyperspace Hoopla was. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning, your, your okay. acting beginnings. Um, what are some first of your major roles that you had and uh, what got you into the acting business? Well, I grew up on Maui in Hawaii and uh, started very young in theater there and um, uh, was participating in all the local theaters there as I was growing up all the way through high school. And uh, that was just my main focus was theater. Went to college for two years, uh, went to Yale and uh, actually dropped out just to move to New York city and um, started working there. Immediately got work on a children's theater tour that actually brought me down to Walt Disney world it, it, it brought me to Florida. It was a children's theater tour. And I had an aunt and uncle that worked as actors at Walt Disney World. And I got to visit them while I was in Florida. Uh, then went off to Europe. I, I, I toured with uh, West Side Story in Europe for six months. And okay. then did a show called Starlight Express by Andrew Lloyd Webber, where everybody's on roller skates. I did that for two years in Germany. Uh, the show was in German. And then uh, moved back to New York City. Did some stuff there, moved to Las Vegas and opened Starlight Express again in Las Vegas. Did that for a year, moved back to the city. And uh, then my aunt and uncle said, hey, why don't you come on down here and work at Walt Disney World for a little bit? Because I was getting kind of sick of New York. I was doing an off-Broadway music all the time. It closed. I moved down here. It started uh, my very first thing at um, Disney World was 1995 uh, as a sub uh, sort of an understudy position at the Hoopty Doo Review back then. Mm. Yeah, I did that jump down on your resume. Um, it, you said you're an understudy. Uh, so, did you ever actually perform in the Hoopty Doo? How much? I, I guarantee you that that role was a lot of fun. So, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, super fun. The first role I learned that there's three male roles and there's three female roles at the Hoopty Doo. I learned Johnny Ringo first. He's um, the one in purple. He's Claire's husband uh nobody knows that it's sort of a backstory i think that they're secretly married um 
so that was the first role I learned. And actually I did it at least once a week. Um, the rest of that year, because the guys who were doing it full time were always getting pulled for special events. Mm. Often as actors at Disney, um, you're pulled if there's a convention show. And back then there were a, a lot of convention shows that used big musical, uh, shows so they would pull people out of the parks to perform in those shows and then their subs would fill in so i was doing that a lot uh and then that christmas i did a show called miss minnie's country christmas uh for the holidays was doing that regularly that was my first like regular gig just for the season and then uh my first full-time gig was 96 in 1996 uh around february i started at superstar television uh, mm, in what is now MGM. the Hyperion Theater, yeah, at MGM yeah. Studios, yeah, and the yeah. Monster Sound Show. Yeah, <laughs> heard a lot about their shows. Uh, <laughs> never, never did them. Not old enough to. No, you're not old enough. Going by then, but <laughs> <laughs> wish I would have. It's it seemed cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, you a- also did Doug live in that theater, right? Yeah, actually, when uh, Superstar Television closed, Doug Live opened, and I got. I just moved right into that. I was the original Roger Klotz for that, uh, for anyone who remembers. Doug started on Nickelodeon, and then uh, Disney bought it, moved it over to ABC. And uh, so we did, they wrote a full musical, like a half hour long musical about Doug and Patty and Roger and Skeeter. And and, uh, it was actually a really cute show. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, There's some versions of it. Uh, It was a great little show. Yeah. In fact, the the one number that they used, like sort of the love song that they used right towards the end that Doug sang about Patty, they ended up using for the Doug movie, uh, a full length feature oh, movie came right. out, yeah. and in the final credits of the movie, they have a pop star singing the song from the show that we did there at the Hyperion. I forgot about that. I've never seen the movie, but I did hear about that. Yeah. That, yeah. That, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that was during the the. Doug's an interesting because you said about, you know, it started on Nickelodeon and, right. you know, at that time in MGM, there were stuff that Disney didn't even know. <laughs> that yeah. there were shows right. Interesting time. Interesting time. So you said you were moving around a whole lot of places um, and then you had a uh, relative that uh, told you to come down to Disney World. Um, What was your 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 training when you first started like um going to to disney world what did you have to do to become involved with uh wdw entertainment well the um the actor roles at disney uh where you see a performer speaking or singing or dancing are through the actors union actors equity Mm -hmm. association now that's different from the that's different from the characters that you're meeting right right those are through a different union Our union is the same union that represents the actors on Broadway or national tours or local professional regional theaters. So just like any normal professional acting gig, you, you find out about an audition, you go to the audition, you, you sing, you dance, you read some lines, they call you maybe for a callback and you have to come back, do a little more. Um, Mine was just an audition for Hoop-dee-doo and they called and asked if I could just start rehearsals. Um, to start rehearsals at Disney World, you also need to go through Disney's traditions, uh, mm-hmm. which any cast member has to do just to get the 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 history of Disney and 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 what's expected of you as a Disney cast member. And you get a little 
taste of that Disney magic in that class. Back in the day, it was much longer. I think they've shortened it to just a few hours now, but back then it was a two-day experience. It was even longer before then. And then you would actually start rehearsals for your show. So for Hoop to Do at the time was a two-week rehearsal period. Now they've, they've extended it. It's now a three-week uh, period. And depending on all the shows on property, it could be anything from two days to uh, four or five weeks, or even longer, I think, for the Galactic Star Cruiser now, the regular rehearsal yeah. process. Kind of take me through what you did after after Doug, because I of course know what you did because I <laughs> I look it up. I look it up, but like give us it's it's better than me. It's better you telling it than me just being like you know how's this? How's this? What was this right. show? Yeah, so Doug actually didn't last very long. It only lasted a couple of years, and right before uh, it stopped, I was asked to move over full time to Hoop Doo. So I went over to Hoop Doo full time. And actually used to teach the show to the new people. Uh, and then I learned the other two male roles myself. And I would perform all three of the male roles uh, at any given time. Yeah. I was there for uh, a few years when, let's see, what to do, when they asked me to move over to Pleasure Island. Pleasure Island at Walt Disney World used to be sort of the nighttime district. They had a bunch of dance clubs. Uh, they had a main stage outside that where they would celebrate New Year's Eve every night. Yeah. It was a hard I ticket love, to get I in. Love Fleischer. Yeah, I it was awesome. It. And then they had two clubs that where they employed actors. And uh, one was the Adventurers Club, which was sort of an immersive experience where you were in 1939 in this, this club where adventurers would gather and you were invited to become a member of the club and different things would happen to you in different rooms and different shows would happen throughout the night. It was a really cool, nothing like it, immersive experience. So I was, uh, I was a swing, which meant I had a full-time job, but I was there to cover the actors at the Adventures Club and also the actors at the Comedy Warehouse, which was an improv comedy theater, sort of like Whose Line Is It Anyway? We would do mm -hmm. about, I think we would do like five, six shows a night. Um, that were all based off suggestions from the audience. It was a very musical show, a lot of musical improv. Yeah. So any given week, I would, I'd be guaranteed five days of work between the two clubs, either covering people who are on vacation or sick. Uh, and that was a fantastic time. I loved that. Soon after that, or a few years, I guess, after that, um, they said that they were going to be opening Finding Nemo the Musical. And I auditioned for that. Got cast as the... Uh, first sub for Marlon. Um, they had brought two guys from New York to play, to play Marlon full-time. And then I was the sub. So I would get pulled sometimes from Pleasure Island to go do that, that first year. And then somebody got hurt and they asked me to move over full-time to Finding Nemo, which I ended up doing. Then Pleasure Island ended up closing and I was thankful to just have a job. <laughs> right after that, American Idol went into the theater where oh, Doug right, Live yeah. and Superstar Television had been. And I, I subbed that as sort of the Ryan Seacrest host position. So I would do that as well. Uh, and then Frozen Singalong is now in that uh, theater. And I was a sub for uh, the storyteller there. So I'm the one actor in all of Disney property who's done every show in that theater. Oh, uh, really? Oh, oh yeah, wow. Which is kind of cool. Between Superstar Television Doug Live, American Idol experience, and uh, now the Frozen sing-along. Yeah. 
My sister, ironically, does uh, was subbing that show as well. And my sister also did Hoop-dee-doo as Claire, uh, as had my aunt. That was one of those shows that she did when I first saw uh, the show. And then my sister married a gentleman who was doing that, uh, the Hoop-dee-doo as well. And my uncle had learned it at one point. Too. So we're the one family that has uh, five people who've been in the Hoop-dee-doo review at one point. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that so acting definitely runs through your family, and and yeah, you do. yeah. <laughs> right, right. <Yeah. laughs> the whole legacy there. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about the Adventures Club. What a cool club that was! Um, so you got to experience I, it. I, I didn't, but I've seen videos of it. And I know yeah. that's a, a, a lot different than right. seeing it in person, but it just seems, it just seems so cool. It was um, what years did you do that again? What, oh uh, man. I don't know. I think I started around 04, maybe, maybe from like okay. 04 to 09. I think it closed in 09 and I was yeah. probably at Nemo the year before full time. That's about right. Yeah. I uh, I noticed something interesting when I was doing research for this. Uh, originally, we were supposed to have the other half of Sting and Oopla. Um, I was going to have Jennifer on, but unfortunately, she's having some issues um, that she could not join us today. I noticed that I heard somewhere th- that she was at Adventures Club too. Did you guys did you guys meet there? Did you cross paths there at any point? We did work there together, but we had met much earlier because she also played Claire at the Hoop-dee-doo. So since Hoop-dee-doo was the first thing I learned, we probably worked together very early. uh, Well, like in the late 90s, we worked together there. We did Doug Live together because she was the original Patty Mayonnaise. Um, We did Hoop-dee-doo together. Let's see, Doug Live. special events we oh she also worked at adventures club and comedy warehouse so i worked with her there as well so jen and i have been friends for many years yeah yeah i could not find anything on what who she's played and stuff so i i I heard that she was at adventures club i was like that's that's kind of interesting (laughs) and her husband is the was at indiana jones for many many years at the stunt show and uh also subbed hoop de doo and uh, also learned Nemo at one point for just a smidge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we get these acting families that come to Orlando and then just stick around. Yeah. And then and then the Comedy Warehouse is the other place that would have live performers and, and you said right. work there as well. That's, v- that's very different because that's an improv and Adventures yeah. Club, I believe, is scripted. Um, Adventures Club was both. You, Actually, it was about half and half. Oh, re- Okay. Yeah, a lot of it was just walking around with the guests and improvising yeah. as well. But uh, you got to have a different. You got to have a different. You got to be trained different to do improv, I would think. So, what was your uh, preparation? How was that different for both of those? Um, both of those was, nights that you would be performing. Yeah, at first it was scary. I didn't know that. I'd never really been an improviser, more of a musical theater performer. Yeah. And in fact, in my years at the Hoop Doo Review, there's one section in the middle of the show where we just go out and talk to guests and celebrate birthdays and anniversaries. And back in the day, we had a little more freedom with, with speaking with them. It's, it's gotten tighter over the years. And watching some of my fellow actors do that, 
I was very impressed with the way they were staying in character, but improvising with guests, which is sort of what we were doing at Adventures Club. You were improvising with the guests in character. And you're right, Comedy Warehouse was more just improv. It was straight yeah. improv, like what you would see in uh, you know Boston, Chicago. And um, I didn't think I was capable of doing it, but I had friends. Jennifer was one of them who swore that I could do it. And um, they, they would babysit me as we would go watch Comedy Warehouse shows over the years and give me and whisper in my ear, here, now this is what they're doing. This is what they're doing. And I kind of learned through them whispering in my ears and watching a bunch of shows, getting familiar with their format at the Comedy Warehouse, getting brave enough to audition, and then given the chance by the director there, Chris Oyen, who's still a director at Walt Disney World, and uh, he gave me a shot, and uh, I'm so thankful for it. And now improv is much of what I do. Yeah. Uh, now I work at our, our local improv club, Sack Comedy Lab, here in Orlando, which is where Wayne Brady started uh, almost every weekend. I've got shows there tonight, as a matter of fact. And um, yeah, it was it, it was it was awesome to have such a variety of work when I was working at Pleasure Island full time. Because like you said, some of it was scripted, but much of it throughout the night could veer off in any direction, depending on what the guests gave us. And we could just go with it for the whole night and make it part of the show. So that was sort of an intermediate step to mm -hmm. full improv, which is what we were doing over at the Comedy Warehouse. Now, does improvisation, uh, does that come naturally to you? Or did you have to work on that and really hone your craft in that area of acting? I definitely had to to learn, and uh, I was sort of thrown in the deep end with Comedy Warehouse because it it may be the best improv gig that's ever existed on earth. In that, for an actor, you're doing so many shows a night. Individually, we would only do up to about three, three, three or four shows a night, maybe yeah. two or three. But to do that five times a day um, with full health and dental benefits at an acceptable salary is not something that happens anywhere on earth. Most improv theaters, you've got actors working for free for, mm -hmm. as part of their classes. Uh, and they're, those who are in the regular ensemble are teaching during the day to make a living. So it was uh, the, the best improv gig anywhere. And I was lucky to have gotten it, but because everyone else was so good and they lifted me up, I, I learned fast and got, got better at it. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about finding Nemo. Um, okay. Uh, when did you, what year did you start that? You weren't, st you weren't um, opening cast, were you? No, the original cast, which was two of every role um, was we, we opened previews in 06, at the end of 06. So we were rehearsing like in the autumn of 06. And, and the subcast was rehearsing as well, separately in a different room. They would rehearse with these two casts all day. And then about a month or two af after they'd started with them, they formulated uh, another cast and two in some of the principal roles to be subs. And we would rehearse after they were done rehearsing them all day. They'd come over to us and teach us what they'd taught them. We were ready to go once we opened previews in 06. It uh, officially opened in 07, and uh, I was the Marlin sub then for like a year and a half, I guess, before I moved over full-time. 
And then I stayed there as Marlon full-time until the pandemic hit. Oh, wow. And then I, I also learned Gil, the role of Gil. When we came back, there's a new show now. It's now called Finding Nemo, The Big Blue and Beyond. It's a shorter show. Yeah. The old show was 39 minutes. This one's 25. All the songs are still there. They're, some of them are cut a little. Um, they have a new video wall in the back that looks spectacular. Uh, it's a beautiful show. But now the Tank Gang uh, are the narrators for this show. And now my full-time gig is as Gil, actually. Um, so I'm sort of the main storyteller yeah. of the story. I I have not been to Finding Emu the Musical in a very, very long time. So I'm not the right guy to be asking these questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, um, <laughs> I've got answers anyway. Yeah. Uh, I. How hard is it to operate that puppet while you're singing and stuff like that? Where Where did you learn to operate puppetry like that? I've always loved the Muppets. That's always been something that informed my uh, sense of humor and my musicality and stuff. I think because of growing up on Sesame street and the Muppet show when I was a kid. So I've always been fascinated by puppetry, but I've never really done it. Um, this was, I mean, it was just part of the rehearsal process. There are more experienced puppeteers in the show, but it honestly doesn't matter because everybody has to learn your puppet, especially every puppet works differently. Some of them work similarly. Mar uh, Marlon and, and Nemo are similar puppets. Mm -hmm. Dory is the same way where we have sort of a, almost like a bicycle brake handle that we squeeze to make the mouth move. Marlon has eye blinks as well. Some of the puppets do, some of them don't. The tank gang doesn't have eye blinks. Um, the sharks take two people each, one for the front, one for the tail. So that's a whole uh, bit of learning to stay together and to figure out. So the rehearsal process for Finding Nemo is a little longer because people are learning basic puppetry in addition to the blocking and the singing mm -hmm. and the acting. What was the audition process like? For that show, uh, they don't even audition you puppetry wise because they know they can teach you. Yeah. So it was singing and reading a scene or two. It's usually... That's which is what it usually is in musical theater. Uh, I believe for that one, initially, they gave us pieces of the show to learn musically, and we would learn those. Sometimes they just say, come in with a song, and you can do mm -hmm. that. And then they'll say, okay, and they'll make a decision as to who you sound. You'd sound like you'd be a good Bruce. You sound like you'd be Marlon. And they'll let you sing some of that, take it home, learn it, come back and sing it. And that's how it worked for me. I remember what I sang, though, initially was uh, part of the shark song. So I was auditioning, I think, as anchor or chum. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they saw me more as Marlon and moved me over to Marlon. Yeah. I have a question. I've been debating this for, with people for years. So <laughs> so I, I, I've got to ask you now. That okay. Um, when you're watching Finding Game of the Musical, which do you watch? Do you watch the puppets or do you watch the actors that are playing the puppets? What have I you must... been saying? What do you tell people? I, I say look at the puppets because looking at the actors for it, for me, ruins it for me. Because that's mm -hmm. like, you know, seeing the people in the costumes. That's, right. that's what I think. I think what is happening, see, 
with that show in particular, and not um, unsimilarly with Avenue Q on Broadway, I don't know if you know Avenue Q, which was a musical on Broadway, where the music was also written by the same guy who wrote our music, as a matter of fact, um, who then moved on to write the music for Frozen and uh, stuff. uh, Bobby Lopez and his wife, Kristen, they wrote the music for Finding Nemo. But he wrote the music for Avenue Q as well, which is a, a show that was on Broadway with puppets where the actors were standing next to the puppets. Um, the idea is that you're watching both. You're watching the puppet, but subconsciously your your mind can't help but know that the actor is there. Yeah. And that's done so that we can add a little more acting to to facial expressions, right? Because we can yeah. give the facial expressions, but our puppets are in general hard and they can't uh, emote that much. So between the two, your brain, after the first couple of numbers, just sort of puts them together and you, and you understand that the physicality in the face that the actor is doing is actually what the puppet should be doing. And your brain just sorts of fixes it and puts it all together. It's kind of the magic of that kind of theater. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, you were, we're, we're talking a little bit about uh, the actors being in front. Um, that's not the way, right word to say. The, the actors being visible in a um, in a puppet show like this. Um, so, have you ever had people come up to you, uh, little kids specifically, and be like, uh, "Because of this show, or because of uh, maybe you playing Marlin, I want to be an actor when I grow up too." Because they're seeing actors up on the stage like that in a in and seeing them play a, a character that they know already. Yeah, uh, we we do meet and greets quite often uh, with the show, whether people have friends or maybe there's a Give Kids the World family out there or something, and there are different reasons that we would do a meet and greet uh, with people. And and, uh, some of those are really inspiring, and you get to hear stories. You get to hear about people being inspired by the show and in your performance. Actually, weirdly, right now, one of the three men who are playing Marlon full-time many years ago saw me do Marlon in the show and he had kind of given up on being in show business anymore. he kind of, he said, he told me that he was just kind of done. Mm-hmm. And uh, he saw the show, saw me play Marlon and said, no, I want to do that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, he auditioned and auditioned and auditioned over and over and over again, year after year and finally got in. And now He's doing it full time, and every once in a while, he turns to me. He's like, "Thank you," which yeah. is pretty awesome. Oh, that's cool. That's really yeah. cool. Is there a show on Disney World property, uh, past, present, future, maybe that you would love to perform in? Oh man, um, I've always <laughs> just for job security. I've always said, the more jobs you can learn, do it. <laughs> just dig dig yourself in and make yourself invaluable to the company. Yeah. Uh, artistically, the best job I ever had in my life was doing the comedy warehouse at Pleasure Island. I would love for them to bring back some sort of improv theater yeah. somewhere and get to do that again. It's a show you can do until the day you die. Uh, it doesn't matter how old you are or your body type or your color or your sex or anything. Nothing matters. 
you can just do that uh, if you've got the you know the ability to do it. I would love to do that again. As far as stuff going on now, um, the other show that that I that I do sub right now, the only show I'm subbing right now is the Galactic Star Cruiser, um, the immersive Star Wars mm-hmm. experience slash hotel, um, which is uh, an incredible, incredible experience. There is literally nothing like it on Earth, yeah. and uh, I think it's going to start a deluge of immersive experiences theatrically across the world, which is exciting to have been a part of this huge one. Um, And in that star Wars vein, it would be fun to work over at Savi's workshop over at, um, over in Batu. I don't know. Any, I'm up for anything. I, I I just enjoy being on stage and uh, I've had a great time working at Disney. Yeah. Um, because because Galactic Star Cruiser is such an immersive thing, uh, if you don't want to say the character that you're playing to ruin it for anybody, you don't have to. Um, but you were part of the the opening of that, weren't you? Because I think I saw a picture of you on the uh, blog, Mickey. Yeah, there were. Um, I th- I'm not sure how many people they have in each role full time. It's all very complicated, actually, scheduling it. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Uh, I think there were two or three people full-time in each role. I specifically was brought on just to be a sub uh, because I'm full-time at Nemo and they wanted me at Nemo. Hmm. Uh, to be a sub, um, yeah, I guess I won't. I don't know if I can or not, so I'm not going to. But No, I, not, I understand. It's not hard to figure out. Uh, you can find it. So, so from the get-go, though, as we were opening – uh, for guests, those of us who were just subs, they were giving chances just to get some rotations in so that we could get it into our brains. So that first month we were open, I did get to do three cruises. Each cruise is two days of work for us. Um, it's a two-night experience for the guests, three days. But that third day, they're really just getting off of the ship uh-huh. um, and they don't see the actors. But we are there as soon as they get on the ship the, that whole day and then the whole next day at, once they get back on the ship from Batu, we're there. Um, and yeah, and it, like you said, it's very immersive. It's very similar, honestly, to what we used to do at the Adventurers Club where we are a specific character and we are interacting with them as that character and there is some scripted stuff. Mm-hmm. A story does have to happen that we help massage and guide throughout the experience and uh, it's, n- it's never going to be the same cruise for somebody who does it twice. It's, it's spectacular. Yeah. You know, since you were part of that, um, obviously you were part of, of, some, of some media day because the picture that I saw was from a, a very, um, very well-known Disney blog. Um, so... It, I don't know how you would do this because you're up on a stage and like those lights are very bright and you, I, I would think that you can't really see the audience. Have you ever performed in front of anybody um, famous that that you know of or may have seen in the audience at some point? Oh yeah, all the time. Um, I mean, famous people come to Disney World uh, too, so yeah. they're out there. Sometimes we know about it. Sometimes we don't. Um, gosh, it's hard to say. I, I haven't at Star Cruiser. I haven't performed for anybody at Star Cruiser, although a few people have come. Um, yeah. At Finding Nemo, 
Neil Patrick Harris brings his family, would bring his family every single year. He would host uh, over at Epcot for the, um, yeah. for the Christmas show at Epcot. Yeah. Candlelight. So candlelight. So he'd be here every year for that. So he'd bring his family and they'd always stop by finding Nemo and he would come back and say hi to us and just tell us how much he loved the show. He was a huge fan of the show. Um, gosh, I can't even, I mean, just random. I remember Sigourney Weaver coming to the hoop to do and, uh, you know, I just random. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Alexander came, came to the hoop to do with his family, you know, f- uh, designers. Um, before I was at hoop to do famously princess Diana came with the princes and, uh, both of them, I believe were, or at least one of them was brought up on stage to be one of the guest participants. Uh, yeah, so there's pictures of I think Prince Harry being, you know, like the Texas Ranger. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's always there's always somebody out there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the reason that I ask is that you know you never know who's gonna who's gonna show up on a day to day, especially right. in Disney World when you you know camp some amazing sure. people that you don't even know are there. Sure, we're excited at Galactic Star Cruiser to have some Star Wars. Uh, celebrities come it would be fun uh, to have yeah. them come and experience it you know yeah, oh yeah i can't even imagine what it would be <laughs> like for like mark hamill to be on there it would be i think he would right. find that incredible i mean oh, do you know sure. do you know if george lucas has been on the ship or he, not he has not not that i know of. Not, he has okay. not okay. i have performed for george lucas uh this might be your segue it, it when is. we did when we were doing um hyperspace hoopla the year between when we used to be at the side stage where they do do Jedi training Academy uh, to the, when we used Star the big Wars stage, Station. we did, was it, is it D 23 where we did the night time special show where they did the, they did oh, like a mixture uh, of empire of, um, over at the, uh, Epic show. They did like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, show. yeah. Yeah. And then they had the stormtroopers come out cause it was like a Lucasfilm thing. Yeah. 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 Right. I think that was for D 23 and Lucas saw that. And then he popped over and watched us do a special hyperspace hoopla that we did for that night. And then yeah. from then on, we did the hoopla at the center of the park every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is my segue. So, so <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Hyperspace Hoopla. I love. I, I I love this show. It is what is literally. I, I'm not even joking. This and Fantasmic are my two most favorite shows of all time. At <laughs> I I um and I was doing prep for this. I I watched it again. I forgot how great it was. Um, <laughs> so when were you? When were you? How and when were you hired to? play snig and and time for space hoopla all right so the the star wars weekends have been going on for a bit mm. and uh 99 <sighs> or 8 97 98 99 i think for, okay for some somewhere around there and at some point they started doing trivia shows with actors with equity actors and and uh-huh. snig and oopla it was Jen, but it wasn't me as Snig. I am not the original Snig. Uh, um, there was a guy, I think Ed did it first. I want to say there's a guy named Ed who did it for a year or two. And then he was replaced by a guy named Jake Lockwood, who was at the Comedy Warehouse with Jennifer at the time. Uh, and they were doing this trivia show. And it got bigger and bigger. They started 
they started doing it as the hoopla. Um, at that point, they didn't have the dance off with the Star Wars stars. They were doing sort of a, they did a dating game thing, I think, <laughs> <laughs> where they'd pull a woman out of the audience, and then it was like a, a, a Jawa. Um, <laughs> I think I've seen this before. <laughs> and uh, Chewy and and uh, Greedo, I think. Yeah, but he never shows up. So you wanna... No, Kit Fisto never shows up. <laughs> Greedo was always the, it was always and the hilarious Greedo. That was part of the introduction. <laughs> but then Jake moved to Ohio, and um, <laughs> they needed a replacement for Snick. So I, they just called me, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know what this is. I don't really know anything <laughs> about Star Wars." So they said, "It doesn't matter. Just come in." So I, I moved in, and I think. I don't know what year that was. I want to say, oh four or five, maybe. Okay. And and that first year I did it, we still did just the dating game thing, and and the the characters would speak in their native languages, and Jen would improvise answers <laughs> depending on what how this girl was acting, and and would give. I don't remember. I don't even remember. And then Dancing with the Stars was becoming popular, and so they did the dance off uh, one year thinking probably thinking it was just going to be a one year bit before we moved on to something else but it went so well that we did it the next year and then the next year and then it just i mean the show turned into basically just the dance off yeah between you know the galactic empire and the rebels basically <laughs> <laughs> it got crazy and it got so big that we did have to move it got because we were just using that satellite stage that they yeah. were using for Jedi Training Academy, and it it got more and more full as the years went on. And we used to do a line dance back then. We used to teach them a whole thing that had moves, you know, the Chewy Chill and the the Bounty Hunter. Dude, I don't know. So people were hurting themselves. They could they had this much space, and they were hurting themselves dancing against each other. So we we decided to move it out to the center of the park. And by that final year, man, Jen and I walked out for that very final show, and it would—it was wall-to-wall people from the edge of the stage to the front of the park. We just yeah. saw solid people. They'd start gathering. We used to do a trivia show before the Hyperspace Hoopla, and uh, it would be packed. Those last few years, it was packed for the trivia show, which was just supposed to be a kid's trivia show, but people were already getting in place hours before the Hoopla just to get a good spot. Yeah. So it sounds like there really was no audition. You just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, that one I was just pulled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> when when they came up with this idea, um, <laughs> first of all, who came up with that idea? I I, I, mu- I must know. That's a good question. I'm not sure that I know. Uh, there was a team back then. Jason Sorrell was sort of running Star Wars Weekends. Uh, Mark Renfro was also sort of running things. The specific director for the Hyperspace Hoopla, I think my first couple of years was Mark Renfro, and then it got handed down to a gentleman named Tony Giordano. And uh, those guys still work for Disney as directors. Jason Sorrell has moved on. He's a director locally in town, uh, working here and there. He worked for Universal. I think he might be doing the new park at Universal. He might be working on that. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Everyone's got secret projects going on. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're all friends of mine, but I don't like to ask them about their secret. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so what, what were your first thoughts of that show when they came to you with, like, oh my you know, God. we're going well, to do, do a dance off. <laughs> it, ridiculous. And, and you, you know, we, you know, we hear the feedback as well. There are people like you, thank goodness, who loved it. And, 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 and it's because of people like you and your attitude and your enthusiasm that fueled it to go on as long as it did. But on the other half, they were, there are true blue Star Wars fans who just thought it was the end of the world. Yeah. They thought it was the biggest sacrilege that we were doing this to their beloved Star Wars characters. Um, that, that, that first time that, that um, Darth Vader, I feel like it was, it was either Beat It or Thriller. I want to say Thriller, but it might have been Beat It. Went viral like before we even knew what going viral was yeah. with video stuff. I think back it was then. I think it was beat it because he had the, it it? the silver glove on. He had yeah. the silver, yeah, he had yeah, the it was beat glove. It. And like two weeks into Star Wars Weekends, it already had two million views on YouTube. And we were just like, What is what are we doing? This yeah. we just thought it was this ridiculous fun end of the night for the parties. And it just grew and grew and grew and more and more spectacular. They added more and more pyro and more and more characters and more and more uh, rules. Well, like the back then we didn't own Star Wars. Mm. You know, Disney didn't own Star Wars. We had a partnership with Lucasfilms. And the Lucasfilms people would watch it and give notes and go, we can't, you can't do this. You can't. Yeah, do this. What did they think of it? Did they, they were they... often like, I no, I don't know. And yeah. then they would have meetings and the director <laughs> would come back and say, okay, well, we're cutting this, but we get to keep this and we get to, keep... and it was seemed to me, it seemed random. Yeah. You know, when you've got Luke and Leia dancing to, we are family <laughs> yeah. and Leia going in for the, or Luke's going in for the kiss and Leia's, I'm not sure. There was some weird stuff we used to do, man. It was very strange. But it got more and more popular and grew and grew. Thank goodness. It was super yeah. fun. For me, it was just like, it was a little overtime, honestly, because I was still doing my full job at yeah. that point. would have been Finding Nemo, I guess, or uh, Pleasure Island, maybe, and, and Finding Nemo. So I could do that during the day, and then I'd zip over to the studios and do that. Um for me, it was just a great four weeks of some extra money, honestly, in the beginning. And then it just got to be this thing. Oh, I can't wait to get the phone call that, that they're going to use. And they would call us and we'd have a meeting. They'd hand us these, they would hand us binders because we were doing the trivia as well. Uh-huh. Binders of Star Wars information. Now, I've, I, at that point, I'd seen the movies, but I hadn't seen any of the cartoons. I yeah. didn't know had any book read, knowledge. Like, books or, yeah, no, or so I didn't know anything. And and when I see a movie, it's in and out. And then that was lovely. <laughs> and then I forgot it. I could watch them all again, and it would all still be new to me. And um, so I decided to make that my character. My snig was just kind of stupid about the Star Wars world. It was kind of, it was kind of sold to us as. Listen, you two are the Regis and Kathy Lee, or now the whatever, whoever does that morning show. Um, <laughs> that who does it now? That uh, oh, I have no clue. Ryan Seacrest and, and Ryan, Ryan, and you know, whatever. Oh, and Kelly, yeah, I think Ryan and Kelly. Yeah. So before them, it was Regis and Kathy Lee. So that's what they said. You're sort of the Regis and Kathy Lee of the galaxy. So we're just wacky hosts, mm-hmm. but we 
weren't staying in canon, we would make jokes about about the United States today in the things. <laughs> so, I mean, that was sort of my perspective is that I was the stupid one who didn't know Star Wars stuff. But Jen, thank goodness, did know all of it. So she would do the Star Wars puns and she would say the clever things and all, all the in-jokes that the, the Star Wars fans would love. And I would just be stupid, wacky, yeah. dumb man. That was my job. So, so it sounds like you and Jennifer really got to create those characters that you weren't really told. Like, you know, you had a script, of course, but you weren't really yeah. told like who these characters are, what these characters do. You really got to make them your own. Yeah, we just sort of played with it, and uh, the directors along the way, Mark and Tony, loved what we were doing. Uh, the guests seemed to love it, except for the people who hated it, <laughs> and. Um, so they were like, yeah, keep going. More, more of the same, more bigger, better, crazier. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. And we had a blast. It was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then and then Disney bought Star Wars. Uh. And um I uh, I feel like they felt that they wanted to prove to the Star Wars fans that they were going to treat it seriously. Yeah. So the irony is that once it was Disney's product, they didn't do the hoopla anymore. Yeah. And we were wondering about it. We, we wondered every year whether it was the end. Yeah. And um, they called us before they told anybody, before they told the press, before they told anybody. They called yeah. Jen and me out of courtesy. It was very sweet. They didn't, have to do that yeah but they called to let us know that the news was going to be out that uh the last year had been the last year we weren't going to do it anymore so that we weren't devastated when we saw it in the news yeah. which is sometimes how we hear these things yeah did they give you an official reason or is that just your speculation that no that's my they... speculation okay okay because that yeah. was one of my questions um yeah for cancellation because disney unfortunately just cancels things out of the blue and never really gives an update like what right. why the reason for it yeah. yeah, I mean, it could be a million things, and they don't owe anybody a reason. You know, they're they're their own business; they can do what yeah. they want. Yeah. So that last year, I believe, was 2013, right? I think so. Yeah, I think because so. I, because yeah, because 2014 was when the they replaced it with the fireworks show. Um, I saw the 2000. I think I saw one of the last performances. I think it uh, was it was May of 2013. So it was. Definitely yeah. last year and one of the last performances. Um, and you said earlier that in front of the hat, it was just a massive crowd. Oh. I watched it over near the Hyperion. That's how many people there was. Right. It, it was just it was just insane. <laughs> I mean, it, for no offense, for a stupid dance yeah. show. Like it like totally. <laughs> no offense taken. Yeah. And and then they used to I feel like those last couple of years, because it got so crowded, they were actually sending it. They were they had a camera shot on it, and they would show it over the Hyperion. Mm-hmm. There was a screen over there, and they would show it so you could actually watch it on a screen yeah. over there, even though it's thirty yards away. That you'd watch it on the screen. Yeah, that's that's yeah. It was like I was at like Woodstock or something. It was like this yeah. giant screen in front of you. Probably, yeah, probably thousands of people are watching. Oh, a for sure! Star Wars dance battle is—it's yeah, just insane. It's insane. <laughs> um, 
so since it since it has closed, um, I I I find it hard to believe that I'm the only one that has figured out who you actually are, who you are. So <laughs> have you felt the love and hatred for the show since since it has closed? Yeah, certainly. The, you know, the only hatred, honestly, I see is when I go back and if I look at a video and I and I read the comments, of course, because. Mm. People can be crazy online, right? Yeah. Nobody has ever, to my face, <laughs> hated on the show. Like, yeah. what did you guys do? <laughs> I can't imagine. That would be horrible. That it might be hilarious, so and, but I would be mortified. Um, but I absolutely have had people come up to me and recognize me as Snig and uh, say how much they enjoyed it. In fact, the last time I was working on the Star Cruiser, um, somebody recognized me and just sort of not to break the illusion said, Hey, I don't, uh, I don't know if you know this, but you look an awful lot like somebody who used to host a show in the galaxy, you know, on the weekends oh, that's and, cool. uh, and they were just giving me a, a, yeah. a subtle thanks and a nice hi. It was really nice. Yeah. That's nice. really cool. That's really cool. And then of course, over the years, there were so many cast members, the characters worked their butts off for that show, the dancing, you know, yeah. We just had to run around like crazy people and scream our heads off. But those people were rehearsing hard uh, in in harder dancing than the character department is usually allowed to do. Usually um, that would go to an equity dancer. It's a, there's a fine line and it's complicated. But this was some of the hardest dancing that as characters they were allowed to do. So they were always trying to get that job. That was a really special gig if they were given that gig for four weekends. And um, Jen and I made so many friends from so many, you know, someone will come up to us and be like, Oh, I was, I was in the modal nodes for like three years. You probably don't recognize me because I had the, (laughs) the big alien head on or, or uh, stormtroopers who come up to us. I'll, I'll walk through Batu and a stormtrooper will just like point at me and be like, and just like do this move that I used to do that. And uh, just, we have this connection that, oh, they were, they were around for the, <laughs> for the reference <laughs> plot. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was it coincidence or was it the same guy every year that was playing Chewie? That was always the best dancer of every year. <laughs> was that? It w- <laughs> uh Chewy is Chewy. I think my answer has to be that Chewbacca is Chewbacca. You saw the real Chewbacca. <laughs> Even though he was dancing stuff, Chewbacca would never know. <laughs> he was always somehow the, the, the best dancer of every year. Like that guy, if he was the same person or if he wasn't, I mean, they were just, he was just incredible. <laughs> uh, Darth Vader was killing it too, though. Those Darth Vader was awesome. Jackson. Darth Vader <laughs> Was that that, an, cake, that wasn't an every easy. year that wasn't an every year thing that he would dance to Darth to Michael Jackson right he would no only, no he only just did the that two, for years, two years I think yeah yeah and then maybe there might have been once we got towards the end we were doing more um, like montages we were doing like mixes of songs yeah and there might have been times where one was thrown in just for a couple of measures or something uh-huh. uh, because the in the in the early days it was just like three dances. Luke and Leia, uh-huh. Darth Vader and the Troopers, and che- Chewbacca and Chewie and the I don't know Jaw- whatever. I think they were the Jawas. Uh, the Jawas, yeah, you're right. Chewie and the Jawas. Um, 
And then it became more of, well, let's make it the bad guys against the good guys. And then it got to be each one will get just one big mix and the other will get one big mix. The audience would vote. A little known fact is that that wasn't written who would win. Uh, We would really, that was me making the decision every night as to whether um, the Alliance or the uh, Empire won. And uh, depending on an arm movement I would make, when Jen and I were listening to the audience response, we would genuinely do it from audience response, from what we heard on the stage, they would program which ending of the show would happen. Oh, wow. Whether it was that the bad guys won or the good guys won. Yeah. And that was really up to you. That was up to the audience cheering. Yeah. That was scripted for the last show, right? Because the the storyline was that you guys were going to lose the the dance battle. I think. No, there were answers. I there was a version for both, I think, even okay. toward, even for the last year. Okay. Then I must have seen the one that the the good guys won and you guys get to keep the show because because I remember <laughs> you guys get to the thing, the thing that I remember, the things that I remember are so stupid. And <laughs> no, I mean that's memory, right? It's random, and yeah. I mean, it always ended. Obviously, that last year, I think the last year we had Jedi Mickey, right? And he, yeah, that was a big. I remember that was a big thing because that was that a was surprise a big that yeah. Jedi Mickey came out because he never had come out before for the. No, that was a huge deal, and and you know there were rules. We had to get all the other canon characters off stage if mickey was going to be on um there was there was a protocol with with having mickey be in the show Mm -hmm. but uh, i'm glad it worked out and it's awesome that it actually that it worked out for that last year so the very last thing is mickey getting to do that jedi dance it was awesome yeah that was i remember i remember that being a a huge deal when he when he came onto the yeah the stage um Uh, what else happened during that last year? I'm trying to think because the last year was so funny, and that's the one you know I I obviously remember. <laughs> I don't even most. remember. Um, <laughs> that was the one where when, we were trying to win our show back, right? Because the year before we'd lost it to the emperor, something like that, and then <laughs> and then it was yeah because he took yeah because he took the show and then he faked that, and then he had a he had like a he had like a a double. That was supposed to be like a professional. Yeah. Dancer. Oh, that's right. Because <laughs> he, he came out, they were, they were, they were. What was the song that he? Oh, um, um. Oh my God, what's the song called? Um. The funny I, thing is, you uh, know all this better than I do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember any of it. Oh my God, what's the song called? It's the um, the the, the Beastie Boys song. Um. Fight for your right to party because he came out. He had, oh, okay. He had the afro on, and yeah. And then one of the one of the Ewoks <laughs> came out, and he had like Slash's hair, and the. <laughs> I don't know why oh, the true fans God. thought it was was. <laughs> oh my God! This is why I love hyperspace Oopla so much. Cause it's just so <laughs> so ridiculous, over the top, oh, ridiculous. Man. And, and for just like a, to be in a crowd that's going crazy like that, yeah, it's like yeah. you're at a rock concert. Oh yeah, and like I, me, I was nine, so yeah. like it was 
like to me i thought it was just cool that like you know star wars was in mgm right like you know the star wars weekends i had no clue that this was even happening right and then we go in and then i i found before we went i i found hyperspace and i was like we have to watch this there's no way i'm missing this because like this is even when i was a nine-year-old i was like this is too ridiculous there's no way this is gonna be staying around for too long (laughs) and i was like we have to see it and and then we did and it was amazing (laughs) so you the last year you said that you didn't um you didn't know it was going to be the last year but you had a hunch um what was your reaction when you got that call? And every year, did you think it was going to be the last year? Oh, man. we You never know. I mean, gosh, things change all the time. We used to do super soap weekends um, <laughs> at the studios. And every year, all the ABC uh, soap opera stars would be there. And um, because I used to do uh, superstar television, and we were really MCs for that, yeah. they used us to interview all the soap stars. So that was something that lasted a long time. And then it just ended one year and you just, you never know when things are going to go now because star Wars weekends was so popular. We didn't think it would end because of popularity, but when, when we heard that we had bought that's that Disney had bought star Wars. Yeah. To me, that felt like the closest thing to, okay. uh, If they want to be successful, they need to prove to the fans that they're going to take it seriously. And, and I think they did. I think they did a great job with it. So I, to answer your question, that was the most that I thought it might not come back. And then we were right. We got the phone call and uh, Jennifer and I called each other immediately after that group call. And we're like, well, we had a good run. Yeah. Uh, let's just celebrate all the good times we had. Yeah. And, you know, as actors, we're used to that. Every show closes. So we always know it's going to happen. Yeah. So you just yeah. got to enjoy it while you've got it. Obviously, you've stayed in close contact with Jennifer. Do you have? Uh, you said that people have come up to you that have maybe been in this show. Have you had any? Have you kept in contact with, like, close contact with any of the other people that have been in the show? Um, God, I mean, uh, many of them still work at Disney. I see them all the time. Um, there's a. I'm blanking on his name right now, which is goes against the whole point that he's uh, still a good friend of mine. But the gentleman who used to be our C-3PO um, is doing very well for Lucasfilm. Uh, That was his own costume, and he had special permission to actually speak out loud. Uh, It was his voice doing C-3PO. And since then, he has been like, Four droids for the Mandalorian. I, oh, wow. I, he, he's he's done many Lucasfilm things since then. Yeah. So he's still he's he's still droiding it up, man. <laughs> but but it was he was always a delight to work with. Uh, we would work with him in the trivia show as well. He would help Jen and I. We would have our special guest C three PO would come out sometimes, and maybe R two too uh, would come out and help with our trivia. There would be two trivia shows a day. We would do one, and then there was one with the daytime hosts. There were the daytime hosts who would do like the motorcade mm. and a trivia show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because didn't they uh, would... didn't the guy who played um who played Obi Wan in the Clone Wars didn't he do them sometimes? 
Yeah. Did- I mean, we had lots of celebrities who would come yeah. for the weekends and then they would, for that motorcade, they would bring them all up onto the stage and the daytime hosts who were doing like the daytime version of Snig and Oopla mm-hmm. would introduce them all and do the big photo moment with everybody on the big stage. Um, and then those two learned the hyperspace hoopla in rehearsals just in case Jen or I got sick yeah. uh, or injured. So we did have backups. I don't think Jen, oh, Jen might have missed one show one year. And I had to miss one show one year because I was doing a show maybe for Orlando Shakespeare Theater or something and I just wasn't available. Yeah. So uh, another friend did that one performance as Snig. Yeah. So, uh, you, so since, since then, uh, you've done frozen, you've done the new finding Nemo show. Have you done anything uh, else for Disney? I'm not going to ask you like, you know, outside of Disney, cause that would probably take forever. Cause it's uh, nine <laughs> years. So, yeah. so uh, that might be just besides special events. That's about it. I did turtle yeah. talk with crush for a while as well. Okay. Um, but since post pandemic, just doing Gil, Finding Nemo, and then popping into the Galactic Star Cruiser once in a while when they need me. Yeah. That's it for now. But you know, who knows what'll happen? Yeah, you never, you never know what's gonna, <laughs> what's gonna yeah. come up. Yeah. Just trying to think if I—that's all that I have for my yeah. notes. But we have, you have a couple more minutes. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to sure. think if I have any. Um, more questions because usually by now people have said that they're like, you know, <laughs> um, just trying to think, uh, trying to think very quickly. Um, let's talk about frozen for a little bit. Uh, you said you were, uh, an understudy for that. Um, yeah. when, when you did that, uh, yeah, as uh, Eric, the storyteller, Eric yeah. and Aria are the storytellers there, the male and female storytellers. So, I, I mean, what's it like being an understudy? Because, you know, you don't really don't really hear from those people all that much who have been. Yeah, I mean, uh, many of us on property uh, sub other shows. Uh, and it's not necessarily a true understudy. An understudy is usually somebody who's just sitting on the sides backstage waiting to go on. We learn these as subs, meaning the show is in our head and we probably have a full-time gig somewhere else. And if a stage knows that someone's going to go on vacation or gets, or someone's sick, they can call a sub, whether they call them personally at home or they call the stage that they're at and say, Hey, can we get Robbie over here? Um, that's yeah. kind of how that works. Uh, so you just have to kind of keep the show in your head. Yeah. Uh, I have, I have the script in my car just in case I've a little iffy on it. And I can just go over it. Uh-huh. Um, trying to fake my way through <laughs> i got to do that one day with my sister my my sister played aria yeah. and uh, we got to do that one day together how many times have you have you been um have you been called to do that i mean is it is it quite often or is it um not many times uh, it could be as much as two or three times a month to going six months without ever doing it uh it really was random and depending on how many subs they have and who's available, there's it's there's no telling. There's no real regular regularity to it. It's it's just based on need, really. Yeah. 
So you, it's just up to you as the actor to keep keep the show in the back of your head. Yeah. Uh, also, you said that you've done every show in the Hyperion, which is amazing. Um, yeah. You really sounds like you really called that place home for <laughs> yeah. a long time. <laughs> yeah, the studios is definitely sentimental for that reason. Yeah. Um, you you did American Idol Experience. Um, you said you played the quote unquote Simon Cowell. You know, no, had... I was the Ryan Seacrest. Oh, Ryan Seacrest. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh, so you were the host. Um, yeah, I was the host. Okay. You also mentioned that you're doing some, uh, you said you had a show tonight at some theater. Uh, can you give that a plug uh, really quickly before we end? Sure. Yeah, thanks. It's For called sure. SAC Comedy Lab, S-A-K Comedy Lab. Uh, their website is either sac.com or saccomedylab.com, both work. And uh, it's an improv theater that's been in Orlando for 30 years now. And it's where Wayne Brady started. Wayne Brady was living in Orlando. He was playing Dracula over in the Beetlejuice's Graveyard Review show over at Universal. A role I also did many, many years ago. I didn't meet Wayne. I came a little bit after him. Um, Joey Fatone was in that show. Wait, hold on, hold on. You're you're telling me that you were in Beetlejuice over at Universal? Yeah. In the original version of it, I did Dracula and Wolfman. And then every other iteration after that, well, the next two, I did Dracula. I wasn't in the last version of it, but I did every other version of it as yeah. Dracula. Oh, man. I love that show. I, do- <laughs> I should I should have so- – you should have put that on your resume. I would have oh, put that – yeah. <laughs> I love that show. Man, that is a goofy show as well. That's why I love yeah, it. Man. So that's why I love it. <laughs> what does uh, – what the Wolfman – doesn't he – doesn't the Wolfman or Dracula sing Frankie's Girl in one? Iter- was that your iteration of the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wish that I had Frankie's Girl. Yeah, I sang that. I think it's Dracula. Yeah. Wolfman yeah. sang, in that first version, I think Wolfman sang Jump. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The hottest thing in Transylvania. I wish that I had Frankie's Girl. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, in the next version, he sang Vita Loca, Dracula did. And I forget. I, it all blurs together now. The three <laughs> versions blur together. Yeah, but dude, seriously. There's been so many. So many, <laughs> many, many Orlando singer-dancers uh, did, did that show. And, and many yeah. people work at both parks. There's no, there's no rules that if you work at Universal, you can't work at Disney. Mm-hmm. Or if you work at Disney, you can't work at Universal. They, they know that they would be cutting off uh, some of the you know entertainment, some of the entertainers, yeah. Out there, yeah. So it's better for them to just be like, no, whatever. When you're yeah. available, work for us. Yeah, it is pretty surprising how like how in the public eye, Universal and Disney are like such like rivals, but like behind right. the scenes, they're really not. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they know the other is there, and it's good for. Yeah, it's good to have somebody to be competing against. You know, it, it th- makes you better. There's not many really stage shows in Universal. Have you done any? Have you done anything else over there? All I've done is the Beetlejuice show. Okay. Um, the others, there are other acting roles. You know that yeah. whether they're the singers over at Harry Potter, they've mm. got the, the Frog Choir. Yeah, you know, yeah. 
you've got um, the horror makeup show that mm, uses actors. Yeah, um, yeah. The the Blues Brothers one. The Blues Brothers. They used to have uh, a stunt show. That's not the, yeah. the they used to have the um, Fear Factors show that mm-hmm. used actors to host. Um, oh, and they have the the. Speaking of puppetry, they have the the, the puppet one over at um, over Diagon Harry, Alley over at now. Diagon yeah. Alley, yeah. And I have many friends who do that. And those puppets were designed by Michael Curry, who also designed our puppets. Oh, wow. Who also designed the puppets for Lion King on Broadway. And uh, many of us have aching joints because of Michael <laughs> Curry. <laughs> oh, Robbie, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for coming awesome. on. Uh, this was, uh, yeah, this was, this was awesome. Um, do you want to tell people where they can follow you on social media and, uh, uh, sure. And, and I guess I don't do much. I'm not, I'm an old man, so I don't know it. <laughs> well, really anyway, much. they can like, you know, they can, uh, follow you, you know, follow you. I don't know. I mean, I'm on Instagram, I guess. Robbie Pigott. R O B B Y P I G O T T. Um, uh, I mean, I'm on Facebook. I don't know. You know I don't do anything. I guess that, I guess that. I, yeah, I guess that question was a default because usually I'm in. Sometimes I'm interviewing people, you know, that have big social media presence. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's an important thing. Oh, I have so many followers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like you know, I wouldn't even want to give a plug for my Instagram really quickly. No, man. <laughs> no, I re- I respect that. If you you know, if you're not, if you're, <laughs> it's not that I don't. I'm not willing. I just don't yeah. have it. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, that's a good trait to have. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> i've got it and i just post pictures yeah. of my vacations on it you know, yeah so. i guess it's more important to say you know if you want to see robbie at finding nemo the musical head over to animal kingdom go there over to go. uh to the the sak theater right um yeah, sack theater yep in orlando um speaking of following if you want to follow me everything's linked in the description uh please consider subscribing it would make me a very happy man um be sure to like the video And with that, I will see you all in the next one. Have a magical day, everybody.